Welcome to On Call with Dr. Anselm Anyoha. In this podcast, learn about the social, emotional, and physical health of children and their journey from birth through preschool and beyond. Find compassionate answers to issues parents and children face and that pediatricians encounter every day. Discussions in this podcast are not meant to diagnose or treat any conditions. Parents and caregivers, talk with your children's pediatricians or doctors about topics and perspectives presented here. You are on call with Dr. Anselm Anyoha. Hello, everyone. Today, Dr. Anyoha is going to answer common questions parents and caregivers ask. Children are wheezing and what they can do. Welcome, Dr. Anyoha. Thank you, Paula. I want to talk about wheezing because it's a common word that parents use all the time to describe a lot of things. And sometimes parents use wheezing broadly, and it should not be used in broad terms. Sometimes when a baby is uh, having noisy breathing from a nostril because the nostrils are very stuffy or congested, the parents might describe it as the baby's wheezing. And sometimes if they have gurgling sounds in their chairs because they have mucus, those are transmitted sounds. But sometimes the parents can describe those as wheezing, but they're not actually true wheezings. Because if you were to suction out the mucus in the nostrils, and if the child were to clear their throat, all those noisy breathing might disappear. So noisy breathing from the nostrils are not wheezing. True wheezings are usually when a kid is wheezing from deep in their chest, like on a chest wall where the lungs are located. And usually those in moments when children are wheezing, truly, they're coughing as well, and the cough is persistent, and they have difficulty in breathing, and they have fast respiration. From the onset, I want to differentiate between noisy breathing, a congestion, which is different from true wisdom, which is when a child is actually having difficulty in breathing because their lung is tightening up on them. So how do parents tell the difference if they're home? They're concerned about their child, the child is sick, like you said, coughing, and they're having difficulty in making these wheezing sounds or catching their breath. How can a parent tell the difference? It's very difficult for a parent to tell the difference. Some parents bring their kids, usually infants, and they say, Dr. Enyoha, he's wheezing or she's wheezing. And then we suction the baby's nostrils, all the noise will go away. So your baby's not wheezing, just stuffy. <laughs> but truly, babies can also wheeze. And there are different things that can cause wheezing that are not asthma. It's important for parents to have an idea of different conditions that can cause wheezing that is not asthma. One of those things that can cause wheezing in children and infants is bronchiolitis. It's kind of a, a lung infection, a viral infection of the lung that occurs in babies as old as two months, three months, six months, caused by RSV virus, which everybody knows, and it makes the babies breathe fast, they're coughing, they're wheezing as well. So this is not asthma. The baby's wheezing because they have an infection in the lungs. Usually when that infection goes away, the wheezing stops. 
Another important thing that causes wheezing, especially in newborns and infants and children below the age one, if they have laryngomalacia, laryngomalacia is a condition where a baby's trachea is very soft, and each time a baby breathes, that trachea collapses, narrows, and air can get in there, and that causes wheezing because the air can get in. Anytime air can get into the respiratory system, especially upper respiratory system, it causes wheezing. This condition happens mostly in premature babies. Whenever they breathe, their trachea collapses and they can get air. So they have that wheezy sound as well. That's a true wheezing, but it's not due to asthma. Another thing that can cause child to wheeze that is not asthma is if a child swallows an object, a hot dog or a quarter or a pebble and obstructs the airway, that child cannot breathe. That child will be wheezing as well. I want to emphasize if a child swallows a foreign body, the onset of wheezing is dramatic. So this is a child who's well a minute ago and in a couple of minutes, the child is wheezing, fighting for their breath. This tells you that something dramatic must have happened. These are some of the common causes of wheezing that is not asthma. I want the parents, the listeners, to understand some of these conditions that can cause wheezing in children. These sound like different kinds of situations. They range from we need to make an appointment to see Dr. Anyoha, or we need to call 911. So can you help parents know what actions they should be taking when this is happening? For a baby, let's say for a two-month-old baby who is wheezing, is a, a reason to call 911 or to get that baby to their pediatrician as soon as possible. For a two-month-old to be wheezing and having difficulty in breathing, it's difficult for parents to diagnose that two-month-old. Or one month old, even two weeks old babies can start wheezing because they have this bronchiolitis, which is an inflammation of the lungs caused by respiratory syncytial virus, RSV. Those babies should be seen as soon as possible because their oxygen will be affected because A can't get into the lungs properly. And when A can't get into the lungs, oxygen is not delivered to the bloodstream. So somebody can get fatigued and get into trouble. So a baby who's wheezing is a reason to activate your doctor as soon as possible. If your doctor's not responding, the baby should be taken to the hospital or to the ER. It sounds to me like this is a pretty unexpected and a worrisome symptom for parents and their children to be having this inability to breathe and can't catch their breath and they're making this labored sound breathing. Is every situation in wheezing a signal for parents to take some action now? Yes. More so if this is the first time, first onset of wheezing. You don't know what's causing it. It's different than when a, a child has had wheezing in the past and that child has been diagnosed and the parent knows this child has asthma. And when a child starts wheezing, the parents have the medications ready to give that child. So that's different from a child who is having first onset of wheezing with no diagnosis. That child has to be seen by a professional as soon as possible. 
tell us how wheezing is different from asthma. When does a child first get diagnosed with asthma? What can the child and the parent expect if they learn their child has asthma? Asthma produces a lot of wheezing. In fact, most children who are wheezing, especially if the wheezing is recurrent, like every week, every month, every year, most of these children have asthma. And the doctors must have made previous diagnosis based on their clinical examination. They've examined this child in the past. The doctors will listen to their chest and prescribe a bronchodilator like albuterol, which the mother takes home and gives them and reports back to the doctor and says, that helped him. When I gave him the albuterol, he stopped coughing, stopped wheezing, he was comfortable. That is the way most children would present. Mild wheezing, persistent cough, diagnosed by a doctor, given a butyrol, and everything is fine. Asthma responds very well to a bronchodilator. So if that is an established diagnosis, the parents is expected to have the prescriptions in their house, at school, and carried around when the child is somewhere else. Just yesterday, I had this mother called my office and my secretary asked her to come in because she said that her child was coughing. This is about a six-year-old female was coughing. When the child came in, she was the only patient in my office. So I called her right away as if I knew what was going on. And I discovered this child could hardly breathe. And the thing about this child is she has problem with speaking. She's non-verbal, so she couldn't communicate. I could see her chest was pulling in and out, and she couldn't breathe. She was restless. I had a bureau nebulizer machine in my office and nebulizer solution and gave the, the child a treatment of asthma, bureau nebulizer treatment. And I listened to her chest, and she was wheezing, and she was breathing fast. We ended up calling 911 to my office to uh, take the child to the emergency room. This is an example of a child who is wheezing for the first time, but very severely wheezing. When I took the history in my office, I learned that the child was coughing since yesterday, and the mother was given over-the-counter medication like cough medicine. And when the child wasn't getting better, the mother had to call my office. So this kid was very fortunate that the mother actually left work because the mother was at work, she came back home, brought her to my office, and everything worked out fine. The ambulance was there, the firefighters were, were there, and within 10 minutes, the kid was in the emergency room receiving more advanced treatment with oxygen. That was a success story. People, I think, are in the assumption that there's always a trigger to an asthma attack, and that might be true. Can you help us understand more about what people can avoid or can they not avoid an asthma attack? I think triggers are very important in asthma. Perhaps the family has a new dog in the house, cats in the house, grandmother has cats, and a cat sleeps on child's bed, and the child is allergic to cats. Pets are very potent triggers in some kids. Also, cigarettes, smoking, even when parents don't smoke around the children, their clothing are smell of cigarette. That could be allergic triggers that provoke the asthma attack. Of course, some kids are allergic to trees, 
So there's a whole bunch of allergy triggers to individual asthma. In fact, one of the ways we manage asthmatics is to run some allergy tests on them and see the kid is allergic to cats. It's not a good idea to have cats to minimize uh, exposure. Some kids, if they walk to school, they're exposed to trees and pollens. And if they're allergic to that, that could trigger their asthma. And of course, kids with uh, respiratory illnesses like a flu, flu virus, COVID virus, any respiratory illnesses can trigger asthma. So these kids can have vaccines against flu, like vaccine against COVID, that can minimize their exposure to some of these viruses and also help them with their asthma attacks. I have a story. When I was young, I used to have allergies and the doctor couldn't figure it out because a kitten had come into the house and then the kitten had to go to another home. It had a nice home, but unfortunately it wasn't our home. But I was still having problems with allergies and I had allergy testing. And guess what? I was sleeping on a feather pillow and I was allergic to the feathers. Finally, my pediatrician figured it out, changed the pillow, problem was solved. That's a very frequent encounter in pediatric practice. And sometimes these kids are very uh, attached to their pets. Or their grandmother has a pet. Their neighbor has a pet. Their babysitter has a pet. Actually discovering what a kid is allergic to and making an effort to avoid that will help with asthmatic control. Is it possible for kids to outgrow allergies and asthma? Oh, yeah. I have kids come into my office <laughs> and I said, hey, uh, do you need an asthma pump? No. Dr. Newha, but I've grown my asthma. I haven't had asthma attack for three years, four years. So it's a very common story of somebody growing their asthma and not needing any more asthma medications. You said asthma is on the rise. What do you think is responsible for the rise in asthma today? Well, I think it's chronic. It's part of the life people are living now. If you live in a city... Uh, whereas industrial pollution, smoke, there's uh, active triggers to some people who have asthma. So they can retain the lungs and uh, cause inflammation and start the asthma exacerbation. The neighborhood where you live plays a part. If you live in a place where people are smoking in the next apartment, you're going to be having secondhand smoke. In fact, I get that a lot where parents don't smoke, but their neighbors smoke and the cigarettes smell is sipping into the other apartment and the child is wheezing as well. If you live in that or places where there are molds, those are things that can trigger asthma in susceptible children. When children go to school, they'll go every day. They'll have their inhaler with them, but should they do they need an asthma pump at school? Is that something that you see? Yes, the nurses do a great job. The school nurses, they do a great job. Every year, kids with asthma have to have the asthma authorization notes from pediatricians faxed to the nurse and they have to have an extra pump at school in case the child starts wheezing instead of going home the child goes to the nurse and the nurse gives them their inhaler or pump and the child goes back to the class <laughs> so they're very meticulous in fact nurses can send you home if you don't have your pump at school right if you were diagnosed with asthma and you don't have your inhaler or pump at school, they won't allow you to go to school. They will just tell you to stay home. And every child also has an asthma action plan that tells the school or the nurse what to do 
Should the child start wheezing? Should we give this inhaler every two hours, every four hours? Is there a medication the child has to take to prevent them from wheezing? I think the nurses, they're very excellent in making sure that children have the asthma pump at school. And they also have one at home, which stays at home. Every child brings in their own pump that has their name that is administered by the nurse. You go to the nurse, I'm wheezing, the nurse gives you your own asthma inhaler. So each student has their own asthma inhaler, authorization form, and action plan. A lot of parents and a lot of listeners will have is, what about air purifiers, these different <laughs> things you can buy in the house to try to eliminate, at least at home, some of the triggers and clean the air? What's your advice? Some of them are very expensive, but I think it has a potential of reducing dust, for example, and all the allergens in the house. If there's anything that can purify the air and remove the allergens, that will work. But the most important thing will be cigarette. I will start from there. Cigarette, paint, uh, dust can be avoided. So the parents, instead of bringing their work equipment into the house, they can put it in the garage or somewhere that the smell is not coming inside the rooms. very important to talk about is I think parents are beginning to understand that there's no stigma attached to asthma. It's just an individual's lung sensitivity to triggers. The way I explain to the parents, just like eczema is because your son or daughter has a sensitive skin. Asthma is because your son or daughter has a sensitive lung. So it tends to react when they're exposed to things that irritate the lungs. So getting the medicine to reduce inflammation and the bronchoconstriction is a good thing and it helps your child to breathe. The most important is to make sure you understand that what asthma is. What I advise parents is don't wait too long. If you know your child has asthma and you don't want the medication, it's not working, you have to get him immediately to the doctor to reassess him and listen to their lungs, make sure there's nothing going on. Thanks for joining us for this episode. To answer questions you may have in a future podcast, write to Dr. Anyoha on his website at modernerapediatrics.com. Listen to On Call with Dr. Anyoha wherever you find your podcasts.